Welcome to Not Super Woman. Morning, Beck. Morning. How's your morning been? Oh, great. Since you just highlighted that I've got a hole in my jeans and I walked around showing my undies to half of Melbourne this morning. And I thought you were just trying to be sexy. <laughs> I don't think Grandma Beige. In Union Street Park. <laughs> Grandma Beige undies is sexy, but. Lisa, it wasn't skin and you're in like a nude G string. Oh, I don't know. Maybe skin would have been better than grandma undies. Doesn't matter. <laughs> you f- forge ahead. Today is a new day. Well, it's not it's the same day. <laughs> um, so today, uh, yes, today we are talking about the journey to conceive, and uh, we've been chatting to the amazing Haley Buckley uh, about what it is to try for a family and her journey. And what I loved about chatting with Haley is. I think, you know, it's ingrained in you from school. You look at a boy, you're going to get pregnant. Like we're all, you know, I, I got to the age of 13, mum's like, you're on the pill, you're on the pole, you're on the pill. And you're pretty much put on that and and taught to fear getting pregnant your entire life. You're never told potentially how hard and how difficult it could be. No, I, I agree. Like, I, I mean, I, I think I started out on the pill because of skin and then, but, like, even then, it was sort of the idea, I think, also given that I went to an all-girls school too. Like, it was just scared yeah, and I of think getting it, pregnant. But even into 20s, like, I was – and when I was getting married and, you know, the concept of trying to have, trying for a family was getting closer, uh, I was still shit scared of getting pregnant. Yeah, and I just pregnant. never, ever bothered to think about it. No. Which is incredibly naive. Well, and now in hindsight, and I think, you know, coming out the other side of being, I guess, very fortunate to have had children, you start to realise just how naive that is and how lucky we were to be able to have children, but also how difficult it actually is. And it's so much more complicated and and scientific and complex than, than... than what we're ever taught at school and what we ever talk about. Yeah, and I think that, again, comes back to, you know, every week we do, you know, I guess touch on a similar thing. It's opening the conversations that are, you know, people think are taboo and never bring up and it's have these conversations with your friends. Yeah, uncomfortable because yeah. I know, I like, and I admitted to Hayley in our interview, but I know I felt like it was uncomfortable to, for us to talk about it to her because we were and are so naive to her journey and we are on a different journey to her. Um, but it was so refreshing to have her remind us to be aware of others and opening those conversations does make it so much more uh, welcoming and open and inclusive of yes. everyone. Yes, and just acknowledging it and it makes people feel you know, yeah, included and, and like they have a voice as well. So I, I did love chatting to Hayley and I, I feel like I learnt a lot. She was very brave and she did well, at, like she did more than well, she did an amazing job at composing herself through what is a really emotional conversation that I'm sure is highly emotional for her. Um, and I felt like I was going to cry at a few points there and I was like... Pull it together. I know. And and she did. She held herself together in a way that she could relay the information and teach us um, when it would have been really, really challenging. And 
um, I know we were both so grateful. So we thank her for that. Um, we look looking forward to sharing with you and opening up that conversation. And again, we talk about journey to conceive, but we also talk about the realities of what social media and um, and the impact that that has had. Uh, and I think it's. Um, that in itself, when Hayley talks to us about that, is a really healthy reminder to us all. So look forward to sharing it with everyone. Welcome to Not Superwoman. Um, on this week's episode, we have the amazing Hayley Buckley, who is not only um, a dear friend of mine that I've known for... Oh, I want to say... 20 years. 20 years. <laughs> Jesus Christ, of... you're old. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That really oh, maybe not quite. Out. Honestly, yeah, yeah, maybe 15. 18. Yeah, yeah, 15, yeah, we'll, 18. We'll 18. We um, uh, used to double date with, um, well, my now husband and your boyfriend X. from a long time ago. <laughs> oh, next, X, X. X, yes. X, X. <laughs> I know. And then, um, and then I came to you, had um, Love My Body, which was your amazing PT um company mm-hmm. and I came to you for training and uh and we wanted to get you onto the episode because you were incredibly brave and very vulnerable in sharing what's been a really um obviously difficult journey for you uh and your partner in your journey to conceive mm-hmm. and um we're really grateful that you've been willing and prepared enough to come and talk to us about it today because I think um, the topic is fragile, nerve-wracking for all involved because I um, am ashamed to say I feel so naive and I feel so grateful that you'd be willing to, to talk to us about it. And I think I've had friends that have gone through it but I haven't necessarily known the best way to support them mm-hmm. and they may not have wanted to have you know spoken about it or... They just didn't bring it up, so we all kind of didn't know how to support them. Yes. So it would be, you know, I can't, I can't wait to hear how we could, you know, do better at doing that, I guess. Yeah, how we could do better is such a good way of putting it. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we go back, can you tell us a bit about yourself in um, where you, like career, you were doing PT and now you've changed careers mm-hmm. and you got married, a bit of that journey? Yeah, okay. Um, yes, I had my PT business for 20 years, which was great. I loved being around women all the time and empowering women, I guess. Um, but I did it for a long time. I did it for 20 years and as far as your energy goes, it was very taxing. Like it's very physical and you're not just a personal trainer. I love connecting with women and it would, you know, you were a counsellor in a way as well, mm. which I loved, but you didn't, you didn't go home having much energy for yourself, I guess. And when I got married, things changed a bit in the sense that my husband has a very demanding work life and providing a level of support for him was important and, Obviously, then all the IVF and the challenges with that started, so it just wasn't viable to keep that business running. So I actually took a year off, and it was great. I just um, got rest. I didn't do much at all. And then so I started interior design for a year and a half, um, and that was during COVID, so I had time, and I just sat online for however many hours a day, and then I launched Serene Interiors, my interior design business. So it's been fun. 
I mean, you're definitely a woman that, like, you take on and meet your challenges. Uh, I mean, even I, you talk about how PT and counselling, like, I, I even remain, remember having sessions with you and you do, you're training and working out and then I'm just offloading. Yeah. <laughs> Pouring oh, your heart out. It's so true. But you and every single client, which I loved, and, you know, I feel like I got to know my clients so well and, and it normalises. I've heard about so many relationships yeah. and, you know, sometimes I feel like it would be a relationship counsellor. I nearly went down that path because I've heard so much about so many different relationships and the way that they work. And one thing I will just say, it's totally off topic, is we all have the same issues. Like yeah. every relationship, yes. the arguments we have and the stuff that we have issues with, they're the same in every relationship. It's that quite makes me feel better fascinating. About life. No, literally, it's so funny. Yeah. So then you, like, through that you said you take, took a year off. Um, what was that um, year like? Well, it, it was still very busy because yeah. you have so many appointments. You're filling out forms for doctors all the time. You're getting tests done. You're at the clinic. You're getting scanned. You know, it's just... Well, it's almost like another job. It is. Fertility... In, well, I, I don't like the word infertility, but I don't know what else to say, but it is seriously a full-time job. Mm. So it was, it's still busy, but... And physically incredibly taxing. Yes, yeah, that's the hard part. Physically, I was just so tired. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I didn't know if that was just from the IVF or it was a combination of work and everything else, but I had to stop something and I wasn't going to stop the IVF, obviously. So what twigged that decision? That, hang on a second, I'm not sure what's going on here. It was just, I just remember in Dalesford one weekend and we... I reckon it was about our fourth round of IVF and I'd worked the whole way through the round because, as you know, I loved my job and I loved working and we got to Dalesford and we found out... When, uh, you, don't, you obviously might not know much about IVF at this point, but if you, if you do a round and you don't get any embryos, you've gone through it for no reason and it's utterly heartbreaking. So we're in Dalesford away for a romantic weekend and it was also happened it was I think it was Valentine's Day and it was the day we were finding out if we how many embryos we got and it was the hardest round I'd done because we hadn't been getting like the ideal results so they'd put me on the heaviest meds like imaginable like so it was you know that makes you ovulate oh no it does a lot more than that yeah it um well on this particular cycle I was on probably four different injections a day twice a day so some of them are to stimulate your ovaries, some of them to stop you from ovulating and then one of them to make sure you ovulate. And then there's like human growth hormone and steroids and stuff which are known for increasing egg quality. You know, there's like a yes, host of... Di- yes, You could be on two medications or you could be on ten. And right. this particular protocol, they put me on absolutely everything. And to put thing in, things into context, my medication alone was $2,000 for that particular cycle. And then our fridge died and we had Gosh, to buy it again. Oh, don't. <laughs> so, and and where you're injecting the... yourself or your partner is? No, I am. But that's yep. only because my husband's not capable of stuff like that, which is fine. Just, you know, some – I don't – I don't yeah, think yeah, – I think, And you get so used to it and you just do it yourself. But we are in Dalesford and we found out – and we were expecting a better outcome this time because we'd done so many meds and, and anyway, we found out we got no embryos and – Weirdly enough, I don't know if it was it, – it kind of felt like I was being spiritually supported because I was probably in one of the darkest times of my life, but I also just had this sense of, okay, things need to change and 
it is going to happen. And I kind of just felt really supported. And that weekend I made all these decisions about where my energy needed to lie and, and, you know, even just things like the amount of energy I would give my friends and other people was a big one because I'm such a, like, giver in terms of my energy and giving support. And I just made a decision to change my life a bit because... Well, something had to change and it's like, what am I going to do to... And it wasn't even like I had to really think about it. It was like the decisions just came to me and I knew I needed to change my career and take some time off work and stop giving other people so much of my time, which was a really hard decision for me. But at the end of the day, you just, you know, your real friends are still going to be there. And But, you know, it was like an almost an identity crisis. Like I had to come into this whole new version of me. Mm. And it just felt like the right thing. And I know I look back now at how my life changed after that weekend and I just know that it can't be for no reason. And I have a lot of faith that I will be a mum because I know that those decisions came from the right place does that make sense yeah absolutely yeah, 100% and then in in a practical sense how did that that then happen so it was reprioritizing your time mm-hmm. and in regards to doctors and treatments was it changing doctors and treatments yeah or? I changed I think I changed everything that was the last round I did with that doctor and that doctor was great in the sense that he's the most thorough with all the testing like when I went off for the test with this doctor in comparison to my first doctor it was some I had to do over three sittings because they couldn't actually take that much blood it was something like 19 vials of blood like he's so thorough Mm -hmm. so if there was any questions that weren't answered they were at this point and I could then take all that information I was looking for a doctor that made me feel a bit more supported and I've realised since that they don't really exist because they're all so busy. Mm. So it's not like you see them and they remember who you are or where you're at. You actually have to sit there and remind them. Mm. And, yeah, so it was kind of like I was on this search for this new doctor and, um, and but I realised at that point the support doesn't really come from the doctor. It comes from other people and... So it was finding the right support and, yeah, just putting a whole new team in place, I guess. And then take us through what that team is. So if you're talking about, let's start with practitioners, you've got your IVF-specific doctor, but then who were the other teams that you added to it? Well, one thing I will say just for other women, you'll see your doctor when you first swap over or start with a fertility doctor and you might not see them again. You speak to the nurses and even with your egg collections and your treatments and it's not necessarily I don't I reckon I've seen my doctor once in a year. Right. You then speak to their team and so you get to know the nurses a lot better than the doctor, which is fine, but I don't think a lot of women realise that when they first start seeing a fertility because a lot of the women I speak to they're like, I don't understand, like, will I see my doctor again? I'm like, yeah. maybe not. Because you just expect to have this quite like this personal relationship, but you don't. And then I have a Chinese medicine doctor mm-hmm. and I have an acupuncturist yep. and I see a kinesiologist. Can you um, feel again... So that's more ignorant. natural. Yeah, so I combine both. A lot of yeah, people, a lot of people go, do apparently. Yeah, a lot of people reading. do. Yeah. And then a lot of people also give up on one path and just go the other. And, you know, some women are just science only. But the doctors actually do encourage you, especially acupuncture, and there's obviously supportive natural medicines and herbs and yes. tonics and supplements. So I've I've been doing all the herbs and working with Chinese doctors since the very start, and I've been combining both ever since. 
Yeah. And when we, um, Hayley and I, talked about doing this episode, um, you were very self-aware and honest in saying that, you know, you felt very lucky and privileged to be able to even have access to some of these uh, extra beyond the IVF. Is there government support in place at all or subsidies or to have that you, you can receive to have... Um, is there a Medicare rebate, health um, insurance? Oh, you, you get a Medicare rebate with your IVF rounds. Yes. So, like, you might pay ten dollars to $13,000 up front plus the cost of your medication. You don't obviously... So it's a huge end. cost. It's like, a if huge you're doing cost, multiple yeah. rounds... Yeah. That's, you know, pretty financially crippling for a lot of people. I know. And it's very upsetting because some people literally can't afford... No, so then they can't do it. So then it's like, well, what's your option there? You just don't have a family. So I am lucky in that regard. But um, you get a Medicare rebate on your cycles, which I want to say you end up out of pocket around 7000 It just depends because then also if you test your embryos, it's about $800 per embryo and that's an optional thing. So is that so genetic testing? That's, yeah, genetic testing of the embryo to make sure that it's um, got all of its chromosomes, it's not missing one and stuff like that. Yep. Um, so that's an optional, you, you choose to do that. So if you pay, I think it's about 850 or something per embryo and some people get 10 embryos, so it's a lot, and they don't get any of that back. Okay. And you don't get any of your medication back, but you do get a portion of your actual cycle back, which might be around five. If you've paid 13000 you might get like 5000 back. I'm not even exactly sure, yeah, but yep. that's, that's probably the only thing that you actually get money back on. Any of the natural stuff, if you've got extras with your health insurance, maybe a little bit's covered at the start, but it certainly doesn't feel like it makes much of a difference, no, I would no. say. So then how many cycles a year <coughs> have you done or would most people typically do? Everyone's very different. I um, I took a bit of a break because my body's so sensitive to medications and it was getting, yeah, I just wasn't, I needed a break basically. Um, yeah. So I, I think I took about eight to ten months Um and some people can just go, keep going, but I honestly don't know how. But typically you might do oh, anywhere from four to if, – if, you if you're not getting results, it just depends. Yes. And this is the thing, thing with IVF. It's, it's a total guessing game. So what sounds like – and then seeing, I guess, beyond your IVF doctor and nurses, these uh, kinesiologists and acupuncturists and stuff is – a way of also having some form of um, input into a very uncontrollable yeah. circumstance. Yeah, it's important to feel like you've got a, te- a team or someone that is is helping you make decisions. Yeah. Because with IVF and, and everything you go through, you make so many decisions along the way. Like, do we do another round now? Do I take a cycle off? And that might seem small, but it's constant. It's like, and then... Do I get this test done? Test done. It's three thousand dollars and it's invasive, but would it be worth it? How much information am I going to get? You know, stuff like that. You really feel like you really need to have someone that you feel like is driving it with you and is on your team and is helping you make decisions around it all because it's bloody exhausting otherwise. And then <laughs> so, it sounds so emotionally exhausting. I mean, yes. do you have who do you lean on for to 
emotionally to navigate? Is it is it just your partner or um, friendship groups? Psychologists, like, is there mental health plans here? Is of there... course, you could always go to the doctor and get a mental health plan. Absolutely, and I know any time I see my GP, she always says, "Are you getting support? Do you need more support?" I don't know. I'm a, I'm a very resilient person. I don't feel like I need. I need support in I need people to understand that I can't be the same friend or person or whatever and I need people to support me in still just being there and knowing that but I don't feel like I need support in I need that I don't need a professional to talk to because I'm just not that it's just not it's something not, I'm yeah. yeah yeah it's each to their own yeah I think so I'm just I guess I'm Quite resilient in that regard. And you would obviously talk to your partner through all of these. Yeah, and my friends. I have amazing friends. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't and know. How, how does it, I mean, I don't, again, you you um, you set the boundaries here because what we're talking about is so personal and private, but how does that emotionally affect your partner as well? Like that in itself would be really difficult. Yeah, I mean... <clears throat> He has seen me go through a lot, which I think he finds the hardest part because he doesn't know how to support me. Mm. And I think he feels guilty because I think if he could be the one going through all of it, he would, but he he can't be. Yeah, so it's almost, I guess, in the same way, you know, what people say when you first have your baby and you have to very much be the one, the main carer because you're breastfeeding and it's probably a similar thing where... He just feels a bit hopeless. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Is it helpless or hopeless? Both. <laughs> <laughs> I think I mean helpless. But yeah, that's but it's okay. and it would be so hard because you don't you want to like you're seeing your loved one go through that and it's like how can I support you? Like it's and and you know they're disappointed too and so yeah it's awful it's, it's awful for both people but it's um it also you have to unite as a team and. And we've spoken about uniting as a team with our husbands. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. all about the team. It's all yeah. about the team and you really – because sometimes when it does get stressful, you want to be angry at each other, but that just makes things so much worse. So you just – all you can do is unite as a team. That's all you yeah. can do, yeah. Yeah. And then um, you very boldly, very bravely shared on your Instagram account um, at, at multiple posts and you've kept people up to date – with where you've been at along the way. Kind of. <laughs> yeah. But um, in saying how vulnerable and alone at times you feel going through this process, <clears throat> but also how isolating it can feel when you do see, I mean, Instagram, and we know social media has such a <clears throat> double-edged sword in regards to it can be so informative and uplifting, but it can also be so um, isolating and cause anxiety. It's been a journey of both for you. You said by posting you've had people reach out yep. and then seeing other people post has also made you yeah, it's just feel alone. So can you talk us through a bit of, of how that came about? I don't really know in the sense that I remember having this urge to share my story but I, and, I, and I just started writing and it was like this big purge and I thought there's no way I'm going to share this. And then it just felt like something I needed to do, and I and I'm not and I wasn't exactly sure why at the time, and I'm not even exactly sure why, but it just felt really important to me. And I thought, and and my husband, and this is what I'm sure most people do. He's like, can't we share at the end of the journey? Which 
yeah, I just it didn't feel brave enough for me, and I was like, no, I want to I want to help people now. I don't want to wait until. I mean, that just felt too easy, and it's not. It's actually not easy, but sharing your journey before you've conceived or you know before you're ready to announce a pregnancy is a lot harder, but. I was just so sick of the stigma around it all and I was so sick of seeing people feeling like they had to hide their their story even when it was hard because it was just something that we're not meant to talk about and and that's why I felt so alone and that's why I know so many other girls were feeling or couples were feeling alone because no one talks about it mm. and and up and most of the time people would announce their pregnancy and not Say how they got there. Say how they got there. So you just see all these pregnancy posts thinking, oh, well, they've obviously had it easy. Yeah, and and you make all these assumptions. But, no, there's so many women out there that have done it tough in their own way or are doing it tough and haven't got there. And they're feeling so alone. And I just wanted to start some sort of conversation. conversation. Yeah. And it was the bravest thing I've ever done because – and even this for me, I mean, I am – I was always very private on social media, but I do feel lighter and I feel less alone. And and I've also made friends, you know, some of my friends, some of the friends that I've made, I think I'll be friends with for life. And one thing you learn is no one really knows what you're going through unless, especially with IVF, unless they're going through it as well. And to make friends with people who are actually going through something similar to you is a game changer because mm. somehow you find through each other you find the strength to keep going. Mm. And, like, if I have a bad day, I've got my IVF friend or whatever who's having a good day and she will bring us out of our bad negativity day. and yep. then, you know, I might have a really optimistic good day and I can bring her out of her mental state and it's completely different to having a friend who wishes they could understand, and I know that they do, but to have someone who really understands is probably the best support network you can have. And I wouldn't have found that without opening up on my socials. And so they, those connections came through from people reaching out saying, hey, I'm in a Well, some of them, I, I mean, some <laughs> of the friends or the people that I speak to, I didn't know at all, and some of them I did know and now we've become close because we know what each other's going through. Which is... Amazing. Yeah. And really invaluable. Amazing. Like that does. It lifts you up. It carries you. Yeah. There are days when I think if, if this is and, – and we are finally having a bit of luck with IVF now that I've found what works for me. And, and sometimes I think if I get there, it's because of these people because I've I found someone who understands what I'm going through. Yeah. And I guess, in, as you said, in those moments where you just want to give up, yeah, um, yeah. they're the people that pull you through and keep pushing you. Yeah. On the flip side of it, which is also, I, I bring this up because <clears throat> I don't want to take away from the uplifting side of what your experience of being vulnerable on social media is, but you've also find, found moments of people posting pregnancy news, pregnancy announcement, gender reveals, all those sort of things that that's triggered you and you were explaining that to me. Can you talk us through... It's less triggering. I mean, a lot of people do have it very easy in terms of getting pregnant, so I guess they can't really announce, you know, but when people do actually acknowledge acknowledge that it was tough getting there, that makes a big difference because you're like, okay, I can can relate and I feel less alone, but not many people do that. Mostly you just see a a pregnancy 
announcement or whatever and you feel very selfish because it is like a stab in the heart and you, and it brings up all of those fears of, oh, my God, is it ever going to happen? And, and they're the, the fears that you're always trying to run from. But when you see a post, and I know we were talking about Mother's Day before, that you can't you can't not go there on those moments. You, you instantly feel that sort of fear. So it is very triggering. Um, and I'm talking – and I always felt very selfish for feeling that way, but I, I speak I to like so many women now. I feel completely understandable. Is like I, oh, I would always I feel, feel like I, well, I haven't been through it, but I feel like I would feel the same way. Mm. Well, anyone – you know, and now that I speak to so many women about, um, you know, what we're all going through, we all feel the same way. So I'm like, okay, I'm not so. No, and your feelings are validated. Like, you can't help how you it's feel so sometimes. And yeah. And the whole reason Zoe and I started to do this podcast is that there is a lot of, excuse my French, but like bullshit on social media, just that you put up the happy post and and it can cause so much for the person viewing it because it's such a misconception. It might yeah. look well, happy in that like, moment. Their day is lovely. Yeah. My day is hideous. No, yeah. no. <laughs> um, They've got a perfect life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Their children look really beautiful. Oh. <laughs> Mine are revolting. Uh, and so it's just outside of posting on social media, do you have advice or guidance in any way of... Supporting pe- friends. No. Supporting well, friends and teaching us to know better or say better or do better? Oh, look, it's a hard one because you want to not, I mean, and this is, again, not just my feelings, it's from everyone I speak to about this stuff, you know, that are going through a similar journey. Feeling validated and acknowledged is so important and I think a lot of people, it is a very difficult situation because they don't know, they assume you don't want to talk about it and, look, maybe you don't or they don't want to bring it up. But all you want them to do is just give you some, like if they do tell you that they're pregnant or just, or if you're, or if they think about you, you just want them to, you just want them to acknowledge you because mm. you just, people have their babies and they kind of just move on and your friendship changes, but you feel a bit forgotten and you're like, no, no, I'm still here. And yeah. I think all you want when you're going through this is just a little bit of validation and um, acknowledgement. And if you've got friends going through this don't be afraid to to not to tell them they don't have to talk about it but just to bring it up with them and say how are you going and just give them some sort of acknowledgement for their pain it's such a simple thing to do yeah it is we've all been told not to talk about it Mm. so that's why there is this shutdown in support and communication and that's what i'm trying to do is kind of open open the conversation and make people feel okay to talk about it. support it yes Because I was quite shocked when I was talking to you about it in advance of the podcast that I said to you, oh, what support networks could we put up on the website and the podcast show notes? And you you sort of said, look, there isn't any. Not really. I mean, the best support you can get is to find people or someone that's going through the same thing. I mean, that's what I found is probably the best in terms of getting support. And no, I mean... there there isn't support specific to IVF. Uh, You you do have access to counselling maybe through the clinic. No, you do. I think you've got one counselling session initially, which is free, which is, well, not, it's included in your cycle, which is more about, it's quite confronting actually because it's more about, you have to sign a form basically saying, if I die, my husband's still allowed to use our embryo and vice versa and 
you know, so it's this weird confronting counselling session. And then you can lean on those counsellors afterwards at a cost if you need ongoing support. I think that's the way it works. I haven't had to utilise it. But there, there is support there. You've just got to find it yourself. I wouldn't say there's like a... Uh, like it, a one three one eight hundred. No. Well, it would also no. be fantastic if the nurses in the clinic said, you know what, we've got this group of girls, maybe you could opt in and, and say, you know, would you like to to meet each other and, and have these, be able to have these yeah, conversations, forge nice. these relationships. Because mm. it is hard to know where to, I guess, start meeting people unless you're putting out. I know, it's so true. But, yeah, you just... And some people would be open to that, some people wouldn't. Like, it's such a personal thing. I think thing. a lot of girls actually would be open to it. All but you want to do is chat things through and hear about how other people mm. are going and it makes you feel so much better. Yes. There are some Facebook groups, I know that much, and you um, but the thing is, you know, a lot of people are probably too afraid to actually post in them because it, once again, privacy and not something you talk about and all the rest of it. But yeah, people post there um, where they're at with their IVF cycles and can anyone give me some positive reinforcement or has this happened to you and did it turn out and, you know, people comment and so forth, which I didn't know about these groups until recently and I haven't really got involved and I find it very triggering because... It can be very negative. Mm. So it can yes. either be there's some really positive stories that you go, oh, you know, great, like that's, you know, but it's a, yeah, it's a difficult one because you can you can read something and feel very triggered or you can feel very optimistic. You don't really know what you're going to get. So I wouldn't necessarily say they're too supportive. <laughs> yeah, I guess it depends on the, and the headspace of the person that's mm, posting, exactly. reaching yeah. out. yeah. Clearly it's ingrained in you to well-being and wellness and you've managed to, to, to be able to navigate what, I guess, the impossible balance of trying well-being with medical that go, kind of goes against. I'm trying. Trying. <laughs> trying, yeah, I know. We'll see. <laughs> um, so yeah. in, like, it's, it, this one particularly, we ask all that, all of our guests this and it's um it's a tricky one to ask because this is such an uncontrollable situation and you've been so willing to be so honest with us but I find um hindsight if you had a hindsight to tell your younger self how to prepare yourself for this what what womanhood and your journey to conceive has taught you do you have advice or guidance that you could tell you wish you could tell your younger self not really because you just don't know what journey you're going to have and it's not like I could have done anything different in terms of like I've always been so healthy and so conscious of my health and I think a part of that was because I wanted to be fertile and you know and then I know a lot of people around me who are nowhere, nowhere near as healthy and you know extremely fertile so it's not like I could have done anything different mm-hmm. um, and it doesn't seem to be related or relative like it's almost like the, I don't know, I don't want to say this, but sometimes the, the unhealthy people seem to be the fertile ones. Yeah. So, no, I don't think there's anything I could tell my younger self, younger self in that regard. Um, what about in regards to your impact of your honesty on social media? Do you feel like social media has helped in being vulnerable or and have you...? I do, and I just think being real on social media is so important. And it's so easy for people to just, you know, I was in Europe the time that I did my last little rant 
And my life, my life would have looked perfect and it was the best holiday and we stayed at beautiful places and, you know, we, we had the happiest holiday. But it is like this dark cloud of hanging over your head where are we ever going to be doing this with our children or, you know. And so I just wanted to be real and I think that it's not just important for me to do that for other people but we all should get to see people being a bit more real because... It helps everyone. Mm. You know, no one's having a perfect day every day and and no one is exempt from shit going on in their life. Mm. And why are we pretending our lives are so perfect? Why aren't we being real? We're just making all we're just making us all feel less alone, you know, more alone. Um, so I just think firstly be real on social media for the younger people out there and if if accounts trigger you and, you know, some people that aren't being real and looking like they've got this perfect life all the time or perfect, you know, body or whatever, if, if you're feeling triggered by those people, just unfollow. And I've become so it, – it feels so brutal unfollowing people and I, I think there's a the mute option. I'm, I, I don't actually know if I know how to do it. But I do it all the time. Yeah, <laughs> if you're feeling triggered now and, and it – and oh, I've had to follow really close. I'll unfollow really close friends for a time being because you know maybe they've just had a baby or whatever it is. But I think just be conscious of other people mm. when you're posting and just try to put a bit of realness out there. I agree, <laughs> just to help other people. And look, I I, I was muting the other day. I we I take Zoe. Did I you mute me? No. no. <laughs> My life's Not too yet. perfect. <laughs> no. My body's amazing. <laughs> Um, I was texting you saying, this person's really affecting my mental health. I'm going to mute. And it's not because they were doing anything wrong. No, and they're not doing anything wrong. It but it's just about what where you your are triggers in that are moment. and yeah. where you are exactly in that moment. So yeah. it's not like anyone's doing anything wrong, but I think it would be great if we could just start being a bit more honest about our lives. Yeah, <laughs> and thank you for saying that because that is honestly the whole entire sort of antithesis of why Zoe and I started doing Not Super Woman. Yes. And just have these conversations because we love chatting and we love learning about things that we actually have no idea about. And, and we want to be able to help our friends and understand this. And learn. Like, I think we both admit that half the time we don't know what the hell we're doing. And Every single day. <laughs> well, you're doing a great job. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> But um, but to 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 sit with you and listen and learn and and uh, we I so appreciate it. Oh, don't even. It's been fun. You've been fabulous and <laughs> oh, wonderful, and I'm really touched that you've come on and shared this with us. Thank you. Thank okay. you for having me. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Not Super Woman. You can find extra resources, links and information on our website, which is notsuper-woman.com. Is that a dash or a hyphen? A dash is a hyphen, Rash. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> um, and if you're enjoying what we're bringing, you can follow us on our socials and we're across all podcast platforms. So hit subscribe, guys.